The Gospel according to Mark. Glory to you, O Lord. Then Jesus began to teach them, saying, It's necessary that the Son of Humanity must endure many things, be rejected by the elders of the people, the high priests, the legal experts, and be put to death. And after three days, rise again. Now Jesus said all of this quite openly, but Peter took Jesus aside and began to rebuke him. But Jesus, turning and looking at his disciples, rebuked Peter, saying, Get behind me, Satan, because you are thinking not in God's terms, but in human terms. Then, summoning the crowd together with his disciples, Jesus said, If any would follow after me, let them renounce themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. Because people who want to save their lives will lose them. But those who lose their lives for my sake and for the sake of the gospel, they will save them. I mean, what, does, what do people gain by acquiring the whole world but yet forfeiting their lives? Or what can people give in exchange for their lives? If any are ashamed of me and my words in this sinful and adulterous generation of them, the Son of Humanity will be ashamed when he comes in the glory of the Father with the holy angels. Very truly, I tell you, there are some standing here today who will not taste death until they see the reign of God coming in power. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. So we heard Ed read a passage from Genesis about Sarah and Abraham. This is just a small part of a larger story. And so what we might miss is that what's so amazing about what happens right here in what we heard this morning is that God includes Sarah in the covenant. It might seem that it's all about Abraham and the ways that God is going to bless Abraham with ancestors and family and land. But this reading is about Sarah. Paul will say, later on today we'll hear from Paul, Paul will say that Abraham never wavered in his faith. But in a way that skips past a very complicated and deeply human story, a story that's so full of grace. And all of the ways that Abraham tried to do what God said that God was going to do apart from Sarah, his own wife. Before I say more about Sarah and Abraham in the Bible, I want to tell you a story about a Sarah and Abraham that I knew. So Abraham was standing anxiously in the emergency room in a New Jersey hospital. Sarah was coding for at least the third time in a row. 
Sarah was his wife, but legally and for the purposes of health insurance. But Abraham lived with another woman and had for at least 10 years. I'll call her Hagar. But there in the ER, Abraham kept saying over and over how guilty he felt. So let's rewind about 25 years. So it was unlike the Sarah and Abraham in the Bible that this Sarah and Abraham were married, happily married, and had children. Two boys and one girl. And they were both pillars in their community. Sarah was a bus driver in the school district, and just about everybody knew her. Abraham was like Mr. Local Sports. He was the announcer at the high school football games. And then a brain tumor came. Sarah was lucky to survive. And she survived, but her abilities and personality were transformed. She lost cognitive capacity. She lost motor functions. She, her speech became slow and slurred. From then on, she was mostly bedridden. Driving the bus for school was out of the question. And Abraham became effectively a single dad, along with Sarah's full-time caregiver. For many years, this is the life that Sarah and Abraham and their kids lived. They made life work this way. Then the kids grew up started their own lives. And then Abraham fell in love with another woman, Hagar. So this is the point in the movie when the movie will invite you to take sides about that decision. But I'll try to just stick with the facts. Abraham moved out of the home he had shared with Sarah and his children, moved in with Hagar. This divided his children. One of his sons disowned him and wouldn't speak to him again for about 10 years. Because they were so well known in the community, Abraham also received anonymous phone calls, threatening, judging, But also one of the facts that I need you to know is that on the morning that Sarah died in that New Jersey hospital, it was Abraham who called the ambulance. Sarah had a heart attack while Abraham was moving her from the toilet to the shower. And this had been their morning routine every day for the last decade. Ever since Hagar had come into their lives, Abraham had moved out but refused to divorce Sarah so that he could continue to provide for her through his, his health insurance. And still, every day, even though he lived in another house with another woman, Abraham would come to be with Sarah and would care for Sarah with his own hands. He would help her out of bed and into the bathroom, and he would bathe her. Abraham was one of the assisting ministers in the congregation I served in New Jersey. Everybody loved his deep 
clear bass voice. He told me this story the very first time I met with him and visited with him. He had come to the office to talk about the very first worship service that we would be leading together. As he was telling me the story, he kept interrupting himself to say two things. The first one was, I didn't come here to tell you this. I don't, I don't know why I'm telling all of this to you now. He also said, I sinned against God, my wife. I will pay for that, and I'm paying for it now. These were the same sorts of things that Abraham was repeating to himself four years later when we were standing together in the ER. Because in Sarah's dying, there was a kind of a day of reckoning for Abraham. For one thing, as we stood there, his estranged son was on his way. They hadn't spoken in a decade. But Sarah, I want to tell you about, because I met Sarah about a year after Abraham told me that story. One day, out of the blue, I received a handwritten letter in the mail in obviously labored handwriting. It was Sarah inviting me to come and visit. So I went. I ended up going once a month until that day she died. And Sarah told me about how angry she had been at first, how betrayed and and abandoned she felt. She also told me that she had forgiven Abraham many years before. She wanted me to know Abraham and Hagar both. But in fact, that, that was not the reason she invited me to come visit. Because her life had moved on in many ways. I also need you to know who was standing around Sarah's bed when she died. It was Abraham and Hagar. It was Abraham's sister who herself had been estranged from all but Abraham and her own family because she was gay. It was Abraham's sister's partner. She was standing around the the bedside too. It was Abraham and Sarah's children, their daughter, their two sons, including the son who had not spoken to his dad for the whole decade before that day. And then there was me. I had only one job that day, and actually pretty much every other day, but especially that day. My one job was simply being there with all of them, and by my presence to be a sign of God's covenant, bearing witness to the promise, the truth that God included them to, the whole human lot of them, their whole family, in all of the blessings that God intended for this world. That God was holding on to them and included them, no matter who might cut them out, no matter how death might come, 
and sever a relationship. Think about this image often, the, the group of us standing around. I think that the fact that they were all together says something about how Sarah herself held on, about how Abraham held on to, about how love holds on, about how holding on to others means letting go of ourselves in the process. But mostly I remember about how God held all of them, holds all of us in the cross. We shared communion around Sarah's hospital bed. It was the last time in Sarah's life. And it cost each one of us something to be there. It cost us our identities as self-made people who owed nothing to anyone. It cost us the, the lie that some of us make good choices and others make bad choices and the good ones earned this grace and the rest of us were imposters. cost us the illusion that death or suffering or broken life, broken relationships, that, that could be avoided in this life. The promise was that God included Sarah in the covenant. And God included Abraham. And God included Hagar and all of their children. Not because of who they were, but because of who God is. So I can't think about what it means to take up our cross and to follow without thinking about Sarah and Abraham and Hagar. And I invite all of you also to take up your cross, follow, follow to that feast of grace that God intends for all of us. Thanks be to God.